Good morning, church family. As you know, earlier this week, we made the difficult decision to not gather in person for this Sunday morning. Hence, you're there and I'm here and I'm speaking to a virtually empty worship center. And I'll readily admit it feels kind of weird just to be talking to Blair, Moses, Wayne, and, and the band. And I think it's supposed to be weird. I think the fact that it's weird is actually a good thing because it's not what it should be. Gathering with God's people is a gift. It's a provision that God has given us that I think many of us have probably taken for granted too much over the years. And it's my prayer for however long this lasts, the inability to gather, that one of the benefits that will come from that is the Lord will stir our hearts to be with the people of God, to choose to be with the people of God when we can be with the people of God, especially on the Lord's day. Now, what's happening today is not a replacement for corporate worship. It's not a replacement for our corporate gathering. It's always better to gather together, to gather together in person, but, but we're grateful. We're grateful for this, op- this option that we have through technology to meet in a different way, for so long as we cannot meet together. So let me encourage you today, as we begin this time together in your home or with your small group, that you would treat it as you would treat it a normal Sunday morning, that you would not be distracted. There's a whole host of distractions in your home, but that you wouldn't be distracted by them, that you wouldn't be cooking eggs while you're watching us. And if you're cooking eggs right now, I'm not calling you out in particular but that you would honor the Lord by giving him this time, that you would open your Bibles, that you would sit and worship together because he's worthy of our worship. Let's give him this time fully until we're able to meet together fully again. Now we're going to begin this morning with a reading from God's word as we always do because we want the word of God to situate our hearts for worship. And we're going to read today from Psalm 90. In fact, this Psalm is going to be our, our guiding text from Scripture for the whole morning. So let's hear what the Word of God says. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight, or but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood, and they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and it withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord 
our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray together. Father, we are, we're grateful for the provision that you've made for us this morning, even as we long for something better. It is our desire that we want to be with God's people, and yet we know that because of this moment, the difficulties of this moment, we can't. And as today we, we navigate the uncertainty of this time, may we turn our hearts to the certainty of your word. And may we build our response on the certainty of your character and your nature. God, may we worship you today, remembering that you are worthy of worship in any circumstance. We give this morning to you, and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's see. It's been a, um, it's been a crazy week. Um, as information has come out about the virus and uh, the precautions that we should take, and the you know, the rapid escalation, really, in terms of the response in the past two, two days, 24, 48 hours, there's been a lot of uncertainty that's been created in our communities, in our culture, in our, our country. So our desire today is to lead you to a certain foundation in the midst of uncertainty. And of course, anytime we find ourselves in an uncertain place, it's really good to go to the Word of God. And... Uh, it's always our sure foundation. It's our authority. It's a gift from the Lord. And, and why would we do anything different today than we would do any other Sunday? You know, in Matthew 7, we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but in Matthew 7, the Bible tells us about two builders. And one guy built his house upon the rock, and another guy built his house upon some sand. And when the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew, only one house stood it was the house of the wise guy who built his house upon the rock. So today, let's help each other remember to build our lives on the sure foundation of God's word, the, the rock of Jesus Christ, because there's no greater rock to stand on in times of uncertainty. As I mentioned at the very beginning of our time together today, we're going to spend a lot of time in Psalm 90 today, and I, I think this psalm resonates in a very meaningful way in the time that we're walking through right now. And I need to, to credit Mark Dever, who kind of directed me to this psalm. Um, but it, it's amazing how the Lord's word is still living and active. And it, it has so much relevance for what we are walking through today. We've all read it once, but I think it's going to be good for us to read it again. I'm going to ask Pastor Blair to read it. Let, before we dive into the discussion today, let me just say, if for any reason we do have to kind of pause and restart the live stream, just again, bear with us. You know, technology sometimes gets viruses too. And so we have to kind of just work through and uh, just keep refreshing because we will come back. I promise you. Um, there will be a resurrection of the service if we have to go dark for a little bit. All right. So uh, with all that in mind, let's turn to God's word. Blair, would you just read for us Psalm 90 once again? Psalm 90, which is a prayer and a psalm of Moses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you have formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but a yesterday when it is past. Or as watch in the night, 
You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like a, like a grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us as for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yet, yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray together. Father, again, we're grateful for your word and the gift that it is to us in uncertain times. And we pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would help us to understand more than we can understand on our own. That you would uh, illuminate your word for us today to give us strength and wisdom in this time. Uh, how to to know how to honor you, worship you, be faithful to you in the midst of uh, this uncertain, these uncertain days. God, guide this time. Give Moses, Blair, and I wisdom as we talk and, and uh, find words, try to find words to encourage our people. And may, at the end of it, everything that happens be glorifying to you, for that is our desire, truly, in all things. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So I, I think I'd like to divide our discussion, guys, into two major sections. You know, we can, I think we can divide these sections kind of just looking at two major questions that I think the text helps us to, to navigate. So I want to use Psalm 90 to help us navigate the, the uncertainty that the, the coronavirus has kind of created. So allowing the Word of God to shape us as a people in our response in this time. So here are the two questions, okay? Firstly, what are some truths that we can rest in during this time of uncertainty? What are some certain truths that we can rest in in a time of uncertainty? And then secondly, how do these truths lead us to respond? So what's the, the practical application of these truths in our lives, specifically in this time where uh, the coronavirus seems to be spreading pretty rapidly, not only in the United States, but around the world, okay? So we'll deal with those two questions um, in our time together as uh, a panel. So firstly, what are some truths that will help us remain steadfast during this season? Blair, it's pretty clear here that this psalm begins with truth about God, and I'm guessing any response we have as the people of God should should start with the character and the nature of God. So Help us kind of see a little bit from the text some things that the Bible is teaching us about the character and nature of God that we can rest in today. Well, I don't think it's uh, uh, for a lack of intentionality that Moses lets us know 
who God is as he starts this psalm. Uh, he starts from the very beginning by saying that the Lord has been the dwelling place of all generations. And uh, this psalm was written by Moses sometime during the Exodus, either right towards the end of the Exodus before they enter into the land of Canaan, uh, or somewhere during the suffering and the affliction that they were experiencing in that, uh, in that season. And so he goes back to who God is uh, as the place of dwelling for the people. And I'm reminded by who God introduced himself to be to Moses when he said, I want you to go and I want you to rescue my people. He introduces himself in Exodus 3 as, uh, I am who I am. Uh, he is the God who is eternal. He is the God who is never changing, uh, who is impassable, who's not moved or persuaded by human emotion. And so Moses is resting even in this psalm based on the character and the perfection of who God is. Uh, he knows, as, as is brought out in verse 2, that before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So he is outside of time. Uh, he is a God who was before creation. He is God eternal. He is a God, uh, you know, and then he created. Uh, and then there was the earth. Uh, and then the earth's going to go away, right? Uh, because of new creation. But God is He's eternal. Always gonna be there. He's always going to be there. And so that's foundational for us right now in recognizing that our, we need something so foundational yeah. in our belief, in our trust, uh, something so foundational that helps us not sway in the times of uncertainty and affliction, just as the people of the psalm were enduring. Right. So uh, for us, we get to anchor in to who God is. Because, because of who God is, 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 that's the reason why we can do well in him. That's right. That's, is, he's our... Uh, do well in place because who place. he is. You know, and, and I think you make a great point here. This is written in wilderness, right? And so wilderness by definition uh, is uncertain, right? I mean, they're, they're just walking around and uh, there's no place to dwell. There's no place to rest. There's no place to stay. And the Bible often talks about how um, this season is God's people until Christ returns to take us home is a season of wilderness limitations having right. the meal every day absolutely you know trusting the lord that he will provide in every single day he will protect them from the wilderness as well and wild animals and things like that that's right and, and there, i think there are seasons in our life where the reality of our wilderness is more um noticeable yeah sober in other places right i i think sometime too when we're in the midst of uncertainty and affliction we assign to god how we would respond in situations, right? right? So uh, he's going to respond according to uh, love. Uh, he's going to respond according to anger. We assign that to the way that we do. And we have to remember that God is not going to respond the way that we do. He is love. He is uh, righteousness. Faithful he is Father. Mercy. He is faithful. So he's not swayed by the times, which is that rock, going back to Matthew 7, right. that we can build a foundation of faith in. Exactly right. That's why I think Moses is saying to the people then and then us today, in moments of wilderness, when everything is uncertain, there's only 
one entity being in the whole of existence that is certain enough to be a worthy foundation for our lives, and that is God. Um, Because, as you've said, He sees more than we see. He is moving all things according to His redemptive purposes. And uh, why would we want Him to respond the way we would? We don't know as much as He does. We don't see as much as He does. And uh, honestly, there's there's probably a little bit in our lives that he's trying to root out, <laughs> you know? And I love that, that, that Moses, he reminds that to himself when he says in verse 2, before the mountains were born, before the creation. Yeah. I mean, you are the creator. We are not. Right. We, you are the creator. And you create everything that exists in this s- small and tiny planet. So you control everything. And I think it's a good, re- it's a good reminder for us as well that God is the one who created everything. So why we should be so afraid of what is going to happen. Right, especially if we trust him yeah. and his character and nature. Especially if we trust so him. So Moses, right. the, the psalm clearly teaches a lot about God, and we could talk a lot about the, the character and nature of God and why um, he is a, a, a good resting place, a good dwelling place. Um, but this, this passage also teaches us a lot about the, the character and the nature of man. Sure, sure. As to why we don't need to be looking to each other for confidence and strength in this time, but rather we'd be looking to him. So talk to us a little bit about what the passage is, is teaching us about the, the nature of man and the life of man. Sure. If you keep reading in your house, if you, if you keep reading in verse 3, uh, you will notice that he say, you turn man back into dust. And, and then he talks about time. God is not bound to time. We do. That's right. We do. And then he explained in the fewer in the in the in the, in the verse three, four, and five about time. And he says, like um, in verse four, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when he passed by. And then he's referring to what happened with time. And now it, it reminds us that we our days are numbered. Uh, we are here bound to time, and because of that, we have limitations. And we should remember that every time the word dust is associated to humankind, it refers to death. So in this time, it's a limited time. You, you're going to die. It's a reminder also that because of sin, we are in this condition. The wage of, um, of sin is death. And, and, and read verse 8. You have placed our iniquities before you. Our secret sins. I think that when you read those verses, it also is a reminder that we are in a position of a need. We need Him. Yeah. We need Him. We need Him to live these days accordingly, the Creator. We are not the Creator. We are not God. It's clear in this text that we are weak, as we were worshiping um, um, earlier. We are weak. We are independent of God. We are independent of Him to be. Uh, for protection, for direction, for wisdom. But also, it's a good reminder that if our days are numbered, how I'm going to spend these days, this time in this life. That's right. And, you know, all of us have done funerals. Sure. All of us have, you know, been associated with moments where the frailty of human life is kind of more, more present in our awareness in other places. Um, and I think this, this situation is like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially like a, a pandemic, is, has there ever been a, a clear display of the, the frailty of humanity, the, the, as, as prepared as we are, as prepared as we can be, 
probably the most prepared people in the history of the world in terms of being able to handle these kind of healthcare issues. There's, there are still forces, there are still um, aspects of the fall, brokenness of the world that come up before us that we can't control. There's still things that are beyond our power. Yep. Yep. And so uh, these moments are troubling for human beings yep. Yep. because we're, we're, we have to come face to face with reality that you know one day life's going to end. And, and, and that's a good reminder that in the light of what you said, Pastor Jared, we shouldn't respond as those who has no hope, no right. faith, no God. We have hope in a God that is a sovereign God that he promised we have a hope for this life and for the next life. So we, we shouldn't respond in the same way that those who have no hope. Because of what? Because we have trust in this God that created everything in this, in this time. I, I, think that's, I think that's why sometimes... In our human side, we view affliction as a bad thing uh, when actually it can be a gift from God that draws out the contrast between humanity and the way that we respond to things and the way that God responds to things based on who he is. Even in this passage, God is drawing out the contrast of who he is in his everlasting to everlasting to who we are. From dust we come and to dust yeah. we, sh we shall return. And even a difficult situation can highlight that in a way that can be very, very profitable, I think, to our souls. Right. So in some ways, uh, and we'll be careful how we say this, but moments like this can be actually an act of grace in the life of the believer and in, in the life of, of some who will be drawn to salvation in this time because it is it's God's reminder to us that, hey, Your days this are life numbered. is coming to an end. Our days are numbered. numbered. And what are you going to do? Yeah. When your life comes to an end and you have to stand before a holy and righteous God. I don't know if you see the contrast between what, what Moses says in verse 4, for a thousand years. And then he said to the man in verse 12 and 10, as your days of your life that contain 70 years. So there is or if by strength, 80, <laughs> years. right? Yeah. <laughs> so you we got some who by strength are 90 plus. Yeah. So, so you, you see that contrast and also that contrast remind us we are going to... James 4.14, it says your life is like vapor. That's right. It's yeah. a vapor. And if you blink two times, probably you will find yourself in 70 years. Right. So what, how would you respond at, until this reality that our days are numbered? Well, and the, I think the question is, are you going to trust in the 80 years or, or, the, or, the, or the God, God who is from gave, everlasting to everlasting? And that right, gave you right. those years. Yeah. So not only is there some grace in this, it's also pretty clear the psalmist wants us to know that some of this is also judgment. Yes. There's a reason why the people of God were not able to go into the land of promise immediately. There's a reason why they are walking around in the wilderness and experiencing some of the things that they are experiencing. And as we put the, the first two truths together that we've put together, the, the truth about God, the truth about man, we also have to to consider what God's holiness and righteousness demands of him based upon the sinfulness of man. And, and we see it immediately happen in Genesis 3, that because of man's rebellion, there's a curse that's placed upon the earth. And, and there are echoes of that judgment kind of carrying out throughout uh, all of, of human history until Christ's Christ's return. And so, in, in Genesis 3, there's a curse that's brought down, and then, and, then, and then progressively throughout the Scripture, as God's people rebel, as human beings rebel, we see 
um, these, these moments of judgment that God kind of pours out upon his people with the purpose of reminding them that there is coming a day when a greater judgment will be brought upon the world, that a greater judgment will be brought upon humanity, sinful humanity that we need to be prepared for. You know, the, the judgment that we see in here um, that, that's outlined by the, the psalmist, verse 5, you sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like, like a grass. In the morning it flourishes, it's renewed. In the evening it fades and it withers. In one way, death is a, is a statement of judgment. But then uh, all our days, verse 9, all our days, because, verse 8, you've set your iniquities before, uh, before yourself, our secret sins are in light of your presence. You're looking on those sins. You're looking on that iniquity, and our days are passing under your wrath. Um, we bring our ears to an end, our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, but they span is in toil and trouble. They're soon gone. We fly away. So even though the gift, the life is a gift, there are also um, in our life these, these judgments, these, these reminders of the penalty of sin that help us to remember not only the brevity of life, but the reality that one day God is going to bring a supreme judgment upon all of creation that has rebelled against him, and we need to be ready. We need to make sure that our dwelling place is in the Lord for when that day comes. Yeah, and he provides, he provides a venue so now those who believe in him will not be in that judgment. I mean, we wouldn't, we'd be freed of that. I mean, so that's also a good reminder of the gospel. As you mentioned before, there is a judgment. We have seen it in, in, in the, 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 the world is broken. There is brokenness everywhere, but also it's a good reminder for those who know the gospel, who know Jesus and know that now through Jesus Christ, as, as Romans chapter eight says, there is no condemnation, but there is a judgment. Right. It's like the, it's like the, the, what Paul writes to the Thessalonians that in moments where the judgment of God is before us, we're reminded not only of the, the curse that's upon the world and the judgment that comes through disaster and through sickness, that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a reminder for us that we need to be preparing for the day yes. when God's greater judgment will come. And so we have to, to grieve with hope, yep. as what Paul says, yeah. right? So there's a sense in which this is a moment to grieve because there is loss. There is, there is uh, devastation, that right, that's happened because of this disease. But in that grief, we should be pointing back to the Lord and our dwelling place so that we have hope in the midst of that grief. That's great. I think even That's something like, point. I think something like the cor- uh, the coronavirus can remind us uh, as, almost like a typology of how sin is passed. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Uh, in a virus, you see tangibly how a virus is passed from one person to another. And we see in Romans five, what you're talking about, the sin is so infectious that it's passed from one person to another from Adam. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes we forget that sin is passed from us or is dwelling in us as uh, kind of ravenous as it is. We kind of look at others as the one who has sin, uh, look at others who might have a virus rather than considering our own and our need for a savior in a time like this. And that virus, I mean, the coronavirus may probably take your life, physical life, but that virus take your eternal life. That's right. 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 And that's why... 
you know, the, the psalmist says here and, and, and seeing the, the frailty of life and seeing the judgment that he's living under, he's going to turn to the Lord to teach us what we cannot learn on our own. And we praise the Lord that on this side of the work of Christ, God can become our dwelling place in a way that he never could before then, right? So this grieving with hope on, on this side of Jesus, our hope is astronomically better than even what Moses had because we have a sure hope. We have a, a sure foundation, is even as Pastor Kurt was saying earlier, that will sustain us not only in the, the smaller judgments that we are sitting under right now, but also the greater judgment that is to come. So the, the gospel, uh, the work of Christ, has to be our foundation to, to walk through this season. It gives us understanding as to why it's happening, but it also gives us the confidence to stand and continue the work of the Lord in faith until he sees fit to bring it to an end. And that's a good point because it should prepare us. I don't know you guys, but I'm, I think I'm older, a little bit older than you, but it's the first time. In my, you're, you're quite a bit older. A little, bit, a little bit's probably too <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You're uh, a lot older. This is the first time in my generation that I see something like this global this is right. like taking place and people are like globally react, 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 re reacting, reacting to this uh, disease. But what if there is more, more of this coming? What, right. if, what if, because we see that in the Bible. We, sure we see that global judgment. We see like the earth will be affected by it as well. Wars and things and like that. Matthew what 24. if? So we should react like those who has no hope, as you said. No, we have an active Hope. Yes. This is not a passive, a passive hope. It's so, an active hope. So we shouldn't be surprised yeah. by, as you've said, the reality of these judgments and the escalation of these judgments the leading to the, the greater judgment that will take place yeah. and the return of Christ. But we should also not forget the hope, yeah. the steadfast hope that allows us to stand in the midst of it. Uh, and I think just going back to like who God is in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in his very nature and his very character if we don't have a firm understanding of who God is at that core, that he is unchanging and he is perfect in all of his ways, then our hope is going to be on sand. It's going to be pivoting off of something that's unfoundational. And you think about it's so crucial for us as the church to remember Mm -hmm. and remind one another in this time who God is because who God is allows us to catapult from right. there based, you know. And, and you think hope. about what Moses is resting his hope in. I mean, yes, the people of God then had the, the display of God's power in the Exodus. They had the display of his holiness in the law. Those things were true of him. But guys, we have the cross. We have the resurrection. And there's been no greater display of God's character than the work that he did in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And let's let's never forget that. Okay, so so we, we have time to kind of deal with the practical side of things. We could talk about this all day. And you know, you're quarantined at home, so what else are you gonna do? Um, but let's let's move to this practical question, right? Okay, so these truths, steadfast truths we can rest in, but how now should they lead us to respond very practically in 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 light of the coronavirus, in light of all the uncertainty that's that's happening all around us. Um, Moses, I want you to speak to this first. Um, these truths should help us be able to respond in, in faith mm-hmm. and in wisdom. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say things like, well, you know, taking precautions of any kind is like, is, is, is like showing a lack of faith in God. So mm-hmm. kind of help us walk through the tension of, 
of faith and wisdom, not not fear, but wisdom? That's a good question. And I think that the Psalms help us to answer that question because that faith is not a passive faith. It's an active. And he says, he prayed, so teach us to number our days that you, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. I think it's an active faith. Why? Because you are trusting in a God that he has placed authority. He has played right. leaders to lead you. Yep. He has played, and, 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 and the decisions taken by the government that we should as a, citizen to respond as well is a is a way to is an active way to respond in faith because we are trusting in the lord we're not trusting in men that's what we have said we we are trusting in the lord and and the way that we respond with like in a prudent way the way that i change the way that i greet like we latinos hispanic we kiss we hug and now i am called to change the way that I greet because not because I only can catch the coronavirus, but, but, but because of love and that's wisdom because of love of my neighbor, because of love of my sister and my brother in Christ. It's not just about me now because I have faith in God and he asked me to love him and love my neighbor. The way, the practical and wise way to love my neighbor is right. taking care of myself and taking care of them as well. It's not, fearful to be wise it is not right and and that's something we have to really diligently pursue through the, the wisdom that can only come from above you know like we're we're not snake handlers mm-hmm. right we're not saying hey everybody look how strong my faith is i'm gonna go pick up this snake well the snake's probably gonna bite you and that doesn't that doesn't prove faith that proves a lack of wisdom yep and so the same thing is true with the the coronavirus we want to have faith in god that that he is in control that he is directing all things according to his sovereign purposes, mm-hmm. that he will redeem the situation for his glory and our good. All those things are true. And we want to we want to confidently stand in those things, even as there are moments of grief, yep. even as there are moments of uncertainty. We want to rest in the right thing. And that's what true faith is. Amen. Well, and building off of, I think, what Moses said is at the very center of the gospel uh, is love which is laying down your life for another, right? We see this in Philippians 2. And the coronavirus is an opportunity for us to do that, both for one another, for our families, and for our community that we live in. Let's build on that, because that's kind of the second point here, that um, you know these these truths help us remember that because God is in control, He is probably using this, He is using this for His larger redemptive purposes. And so we need to be careful as God's people to figure out how we can be used by God in this moment to further His redemptive purposes through the coronavirus. It's clear that the psalm and the psalmist is saying we got to look to the Lord to make sense of things that we don't understand on our own. And in doing that, we were reminded that it's in these difficult moments that God accomplishes some extraordinary things. So, Blair, talk about the the, the, the potential benefits of this moment for how we lead and disciple and worship in our homes. How how we can grow in leading our family in worship, and then after that, maybe you and Moses both can speak to this, the way that this moment is going to help us love our our brothers and sisters in Christ and our neighbors better. So, uh, you know, going back to the psalm itself, Psalm Psalm 90 verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And uh, it's so good for us to be reminded uh, that the dwelling place of the Lord is also in posterity. It's in 
ourselves, right, as we've received the gospel, and then also as we pass the gospel on to the generations, because uh, that's where the Lord dwells in covenant with, with his people. And uh, I'm so grateful for the convictions that we have kind of baked into the culture at First Irving uh, in regards to family worship and the way that God has designed the home to discuss God, to worship God, to build trust in God as we anchor ourselves in the teaching of his word. And so this is an opportunity for us as a church family uh, to really be faithful with what God says in his word, to lead our families in in the worship of the Lord in a time like this. And I even think about the context of this passage. Um, Many people think that this was written right before uh, Israel goes into the land of Canaan, which is when Deuteronomy was written right? Deuteronomy 6, part of the instruction for God's people uh, is to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, uh, and and then to teach these things about God to the next generation. And uh, that is such an an application for us as a church family today. So many people rely upon the church to disciple their families. And as you've said often, the point of Sunday morning is to not substitute for what you're doing in your home. What happens here is supposed to be building off what's happening through the home throughout the week, right? And so what an opportunity for us to to gather in our homes, to solidify these convictions. And to and point people to the word. Absolutely. To this promise. Look what it says, it says in verse 15. Make us glad according the days you have afflicted us. Right. Find joy in the right. midst of this crisis. Redemption. Be glad. Yes. Be glad because at the end, it, it, God is in control. We are trusting the Lord. He's leading us. Praise and, the Lord. And I think in practical ways, uh, probably a lot of our kids right now have questions as to what's going on. I know Abel uh, and Titus, my eight and five-year-old, have questions as to what this is and what's going on. And it's an opportunity for uh, the fathers in the home. It's an opportunity uh, for you know a single parent. Who, who, whatever the circumstance in the home, a married couple, uh, even an individual single living by themselves, to be reminded uh, of, of what the truth of the scriptures teaches us in times like this. And then to practically lay it out, to teach our eight-year-olds, our five-year-olds, our 12-year-olds who God is and that, and that he, is ever cha- he is never changing. And we can rest in that. Absolutely. Um, even a five-year-old can rest in that. Let's talk about how it expands outside of our, our home um, to, to loving our our brothers and sisters in Christ well, and to loving our neighbors well. One of the reasons why we decided to not meet today collectively is because of our concern for our older brothers and sisters and those who are particularly at risk for this virus. And so what an opportunity for us to express to them mm-hmm. our love and value for them to say, hey, we're going to suspend what we think is an ultimate good right. and gather together as, our, as a people because of our love for you. We want to we want to not gather today so that we can gather tomorrow. I have a question for you as a lead pastor. <laughs> what happened if among us there is one person that catch the coronavirus? How would you respond to that with that brother and sister? You know, Moses, I think this is something that we're going to have to wrestle with as a people the the next few days because chances are very high that someone in our population and our church family will contract this disease. And so while we believe it is good if you are sick in any way, but certainly sick in this way, sick in a contagious way, but certainly sick with this particular virus to stay home and to isolate yourself for the good of the church, the church can also not abandon you in that time. And Provide. so we've got... 
Right. We've got to figure out a way to provide for them. If they have to quarantine, can we go get them, you know, uh, you know, groceries? They need medical issues that we can help with. Now, we may need to go see them in hazmat suits, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe. But uh, also, just to, to make sure that we're doing pastoral care That's good. in the midst of, you know, this season. And I think the way that we care for one another and the way that we remain steadfast in the midst of this uncertainty as a people will not only bless our people, but have ripple effects outside of our homes. Because you guys all know that our neighbors, our coworkers, like our family members, are asking questions. You know, what, what is the meaning of all this? And, and why is God allowing this? And, and if, if we don't take this moment as a, as a moment to declare the, the sure hope of the gospel, friends, when are we ever? Yeah. You know? And also, I think that there is other practical ways that we can serve the youngers they may help those who cannot go to the market. Right. The market is now crazy, so you may, you you can make yourself available to ask someone that you have that have some limitation and ask them, can, how can I buy for you? I can go do grocery for you, because if if you get to the market, it's so crazy and so aggressive that probably you you wouldn't be able to make it. So you make yourself available to serve other in need. That's another well, expression. Well, and love. I'm interested to see how we're going to employ, you know, Acts two that they held all things in common with the 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 lack of toilet paper around the <laughs> country today. Yeah, maybe that's a way that we can hold all things in common, sharing our toilet paper. Yeah, that's good. And let me let me that's press in. For the sake, yeah, let me press in for the sake of time to this last thing. Um, you know, these truths also expose a longing um, for all of this to come to an end. In the same way that the wilderness was only for a season, the promised land was coming, friends, the wilderness that we live in today is coming to an end. Even this, this momentary affliction of this disease is coming to an end. And, and there's a longing in us as we cry out to the Lord, as the psalmist did in, in verse 13, how long? How long until you return, O oh God? I think we should press into that longing because it, it speaks to the, the fact that we were created for eternity. That we were created for a life that is that is greater than this one, um, that there is a future longing that can only be satisfied by God. And we were talking yesterday about the even the suspension of our gathering, and this is a big deal for us because we believe the corporate gathering on Sunday is the most important thing that we do on a week to week basis as the church. And so, um, you know, today is not ideal, and hopefully, you guys are missing being apart, being in person, like we're missing, you were talking to seats. I don't want to talk to seats. I want to talk to faces. Um, and so I hope you're missing that. And that longing hopefully will turn to joy either next week or in the next couple of weeks, wherever, wherever it is the next month, when we all get to gather together Amen. again. But even that gathering is a, a temporary gathering. It's meant to picture a greater gathering when people from every tongue, every nation, every tribe, who have been radically transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ will gather around the throne and worship him for all of eternity. And so I'm just going to challenge you guys to, to lean into the longing, to, to press into it, to remember the temporary nature of this world, the temporary nature of this gathering, that this, this people, and that it points us to a greater eternal reality that is coming that will take place when Christ returns. And every day, Psalmist says, we've got to remember that. Every day we have to wake up and turn our attention to the Lord to make sense of what we cannot make sense of on our own and let Him stir our hearts toward a hope that is greater than the moment 
that we face. So let's not be overwhelmed by this moment. Let's run to our dwelling place to make sense of this moment, and let's call others to do the same. What an incredible moment for evangelism, and what an incredible moment for prayer. And so I do want to take a few minutes now. I know we're kind of running a little bit long, but I hope you're you're sticking with us. Um, I want to take a moment to pray. It's our conviction that prayer should always be a first response of the believer. It, it acknowledges our desperation for the Lord, our need for the Lord, and we need to cry out to Him. And so uh, that I'm so grateful that conviction has been reflected even in our government as the president has asked us to make this day a, a special day of prayer. So in in accordance with our conviction primarily, but also the secondary request of our government, we want to spend some time today in intentional prayer. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask um, Pastor Blair to lead us in a prayer for the sick and the vulnerable who have been affected by this virus and who potentially are going to be affected by this virus. I'm going to ask Pastor Moses to lead us in a prayer interceding for our leaders, both in the government and the churches, for wisdom, and then also for our healthcare professionals who are, you know, going to have to, who are going to be, uh, have a lot demanded of them, and they're going to put themselves at risk. And then I'm going to pray for the church that we would walk in wisdom and that we would also walk with a contagious hope and that through us the gospel would go forth during this time. So at, in your homes, wherever you are, would you just take a moment either to gather as a family or gather with groups of people in the home and uh, just pray along with us as we lead you in this season of prayer. prayer. Pastor Blair. All right, church family, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we approach you today with so much gratitude because of the person and work and the final work of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, Lord, we rest in his sovereignty. We rest in his kindness and mercy demonstrated on the cross. And Lord, we are filled with hope because of it. And so, Father, I pray first and foremost that our whole church would anchor in and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus during this time. Uh, Lord, no matter what the circumstance is in and around our church family, uh, but that Christ would be the anchor uh, by which we are holding fast to. Uh, Lord, we do want to lift up specifically those who, uh, Father, are, uh, are older or who are more feeble in health, Lord, uh, who have underlying conditions and, uh, Father, are at more, uh, a greater risk, Father, because of this virus. Uh, God, would you, um, would you comfort them And would you protect them, Lord? Would you comfort them by the strength of your might? Would you um, feed them by the truth of your word? Father, would you protect them as the shepherd that you are, Father? One who keeps uh, his people away from danger, Father. Uh, One who uh, cares uh, for the lowly, Lord, who cares for the one who is weak. Uh, Lord, would you, would you demonstrate your power in this way, Father? We rest and trust in you in this way, Lord. Uh, Father, we know that you are sovereign. Uh, we know, as we've just gone through in Psalm 90, uh, Father, that you are with, with us even amidst affliction. So no matter what, Father, we know that you are with us. But God, we do ask, uh, Father, in petition, in supplication, uh, 
Father, that you would protect us. Father, we know that you have the power to throw this virus outside of our atmosphere and to destroy it, Lord. Uh, We know that you have the power, uh, Father, uh, to extinguish it right now uh, based, based on the strength of your might, uh, Lord. And so we are calling to you, we are coming to you in full faith, God, uh, that you will um, protect us. Uh, Father, that you will keep us, Lord, in the midst of this. And Father, even if we are sick, our hope is not in our health. Our hope is in you, Father. And so, Father, we pray for those um, who uh, are more adverse to this, Lord. And uh, Father, we pray um, that our church would rise up and serve uh, and be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Father. Uh, this is our uh, uh, opportunity to truly love uh, those in a tangible way, uh, Father, who might be weak. But Father, allow our hope and anchor uh, and our faith to be anchored in you. Father, please, we pray this by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord, we come... We approach you in humility because um, we know that we need you. We know that our government needs you. We know that our leaders need you. And I want to um, pray. I want to intercede. I want to present all our governments, not just uh, uh, President Trump and all the government uh, authority in this country, but the global leaders. I want to present them. And I pray that you lead them to you. I pray that you just use this virus in order to let them know that they are not all powerful but you, that you are the one who can sustain each country. We pray for this country. We pray for uh, President Trump. We pray for all the others, authority in each state, and we pray for Christian leaders as well, that you may inform our wisdom with your word, that you use your church in order to lead people to Christ, that you use this situation to lead people to you as well. I pray that you protect them, that you protect us, that you protect your church. I pray that also you guide them uh, with your wisdom, not with a human wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from you. I pray also that you also use your church as an instrument of your grace to bring the gospel to those in need. I pray that you lead um, our leaders, the, the leaders of this church, the each leader that is in contact with any family, that you use us in order to uh, inform our faith in your word. We need you, Lord, and we pray that you use this global crisis to remind us that you rule over every country and over this nation as well. We pray for every authority in place in this country. We pray We pray that you use uh, your people, those who are in a strategic position, to guide them to you. We need you, and this virus reminds us how much we need you. We need your wisdom, we need your direction, we need your protection. Not for the glory of any man on earth, but for your glory. Amen. And Father, we do also lift up our doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals, God, as they care for those who are sick. They're going to be working long hours for our hospital administrators as they have to deal with um, exercising wisdom about how they, they care for people that come through their doors. God, would you just um, provide for them? Would you give them safety and protect them so they can care for others? 
And uh, Father, let them be a, an example to us about how, how to care for those who are in need. And Father, more than anything, we want to be light in the midst of this time of darkness. And Father, we, we know that you use every situation to accomplish your redemptive purposes, that, that all things that are happening are for our good and for your glory. And we rest in that today. And Father, help us to see it. Help us to see. Um, give us wisdom about how to see how you're working in these moments. Help us to, to display a greater love for our families during this time, to shepherd them well. Help us to display a greater uh, love for our brothers and sisters in Christ as, as we sacrifice something that may not be an issue for us for the sake of them, for their good. Um, help us to love our neighbors well by comforting them, not with mere human words, but with the truth of the gospel that can only truly comfort. And Father, um, God, may we see a revival. May we see a, an expansion of the gospel that can only be credited to you um, because of this season of difficulty. Father, help us to remain faithful and help us to be committed to the hope of the gospel in this time um, for your glory and stir in us a longing for the day when all of this will come to an end where we will be with you and with your people forever. Stir in us a love for your people as we are separated in this time. God, help us to long for the gathering of your people once again as we long for the even greater gathering around your throne. And we long for that day and we rest confidently in that day because of the work of Jesus. And we pray all of us in his mighty name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, let's sing one more song together. How great thou art.